Good morning. Good to see everybody on this beautiful, cool day in sunny California. And I'm grateful. Yeah, you can clap for that. It's sunny. It's cool. It's wonderful. We made the mistake of leaving some windows open on the second floor last night. And it was like, I didn't realize it was in the 40s when we woke up today. So it was, that was a lot of fun. You know, preparing for this message, I just get excited when I get to talk to you guys. And preparing for this message, I'm reflecting back on a lot of the mentors that I've had in my life. And I, and I was thinking back, I'm like, uh, grade school mentors and people that have spoken into my life, you know, my parents, you know, are they mentors in my life or is that just part of parenting? Do you have to mentor when you're a parent? I don't know. But great people speaking into my life. I think middle school, I think junior high, high school, I'm huge on athletics. I think kids today can learn so much about how to get along with people and how to get along with others through athletics and band and all these kind of extracurricular activities people speaking into your life. I can remember specifically a first grade teacher, an eighth grade teacher, and then got, it got out into university. I had professors speaking into my life and I'm grateful for all these mentors, people that have helped, and think back on your own life, people that have said things to you that have helped you on your way, help you become who you have become. And I think back to uh, pastoring, so I've been pastoring for 25 years now, and there have been specific pastors that have spoken in my life, but particularly one that I want to highlight here in just a moment. In preparing for this message, I called him up. This is, this is probably within the last year. And I said, hey, thank you. I'm grateful you've, you've spoken to my life during, during a time of rapid growth. We were, we were creating this mega church in 20 years in the Woodlands, Texas. And it was fast and it was furious. And we, I got to do things I never thought I could do. I got to see things that were unbelievable. We were baptizing thousands. It was, it was crazy. It was fast and it was fun. And my senior pastor hired this mentor to mentor a couple of us on staff because we were growing at such a fast rate. He was about 10 years older and he has since retired, uh, but he spoke into my life. And it was, it was a great moment where he would pull us off campus. He would take us to coffee and say, hey, ministries and missions are going great. How's your, how's your wife doing? How are your kids? How are you balancing ministry and life? And it was just, it was wonderful. So I reached out to him recently. I said, I'm getting ready to talk. What do you have new? What's going on in your world? And he had recently done a survey where he surveyed 10,000 people and he asked them, what are the values and the virtues that are slipping in society today? And I said, oh my gosh, that's great data. Can I have that? And he shared it with me. And so I'm gonna give to you, 70% um, of the 10,000 said the same three things. And I'm gonna give them to you in reverse order, three, two, and then one, okay? So the third value or virtue that's slipping in society today, number three was purity. Number two was integrity. But unequivocally, number one was gratitude. And so we're gonna to talk today about gratitude. And what's alarming about gratitude is, I, I told him, I said, you've gotta be kidding. It's so easy to say thank you, thank you. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for how you spoke into my life. That's so easy. He said, but ironically, when you do the research, it's hard to see in yourself. I've pastored for 25 years. I've counseled hundreds and hundreds of people. We, we deal with anger issues and anxiety and frustration and parenting and all these things. But seldom do you ever talk to people. Do they look at you and say, my problem is gratitude. I've never heard that in 25 years. So what's happening today, when we used to meet with people and go to a meal or have coffee or write a letter, remember those days? Now it's replaced with electronics. So we'll shoot out a text or we'll do a social media or we might not even do it at all. And the problem is unexpressed gratitude can be perceived as ingratitude. 
This is one of those areas where we look at others and we could say, oh my gosh, that person is so ungrateful. I can't believe the, the ingratitude that's shown here. But when you look up in the mirror, it's so hard to see in ourselves. So I did some research and I wanted to give you guys one of the greatest moments in American history of gratitude. And so I researched it and I found a guy, he was an editor for the Chicago Tribune. His name's Bob Green. He wrote a book several years ago called Once Upon a Town. If you haven't read it, pick one up and check it out. He researched history, the United States, and found the single most moment of gratitude in our society. It was back in the 1940s. It was right after we entered into World War II. And what happened was, as our servicemen traveled from coast to coast, uh, most of them traveled on the Union Pacific Railroad. One of the main stops was in North Platte, Nebraska. It was the North Platte Depot. And as they'd come across the country, they would stop there. It was a 10-minute stop, and then they would move on and go and get ready and prepare for war. And so the people of North Platte, Nebraska, it was like a town of 3,000. Most of the moms and the wives and the girlfriends baked pies and cakes and put together these care packages because they wanted to see their guys off and, and just show gratitude and show thankfulness. And so they show up at the train station at the depot at the time to deliver these goods to their men, but they quickly found out it wasn't, it wasn't their guys. It was a bunch of people that had come in from Kansas. And one of them said famous words that are still ringing true today, and it was, well, let's, let's not waste what we've done. Let's show gratitude to the servicemen on this train. And that started a four-year run of the North Platte Canteen. Over six million servicemen went through this small town. I have a 90-second video clip I want to show you because I want you to see it and hear it and experience it uh, to understand more about the North Platte Canteen. Watch this. Just before we got to North Platte, one of the MPs on the train came up to me and uh, uh, said, this next stop's going to be something you'll never forget. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, it's the North Platte Canteen. It'll be the best stop you ever made across the United States. It was just as if they started a factory here, a war factory. Instead of making bullets or making something else, they made food for all of us coming through. I had a glass of milk because we didn't have milk very often in the service. Uh, I had a glass of milk. I had a beef sandwich made with homemade bread. I had a cookie. I had a donut. They offered me pie. They offered me cake. They offered popcorn balls. Then they had fruit. I just can't get over how pleased those people were that we would accept what they were offering. I no sooner got off the train and a lady walked up to me with a birthday cake and asked me if it was my birthday. I told her it wasn't. And she said, we're going to make it your birthday here in North Platte and handed me this beautiful birthday cake. It was an atmosphere. Uh, that you have felt when you got off the train in North Platte that uh, made you feel like you were a hero. So a moment that made you feel like a hero. So that is one of the greatest moments in American history of gratitude. That went on for over four years. Over six million servicemen stopped at the North Platte Canteen. They had 10 minutes. The train stopped, they got off, and then they were... They were uh, just showed love, appreciation, thankfulness, and gratitude at the North Platte Canteen. So that's the best example I could find for you guys in American history. So let's, let's take that and let's move on to what's the greatest story, the greatest moment in the Bible? 
What does Jesus tell us about gratitude? So I want to transition over to that, and I am going to read the story to you. And I would like you guys, if you're willing and able, would you stand in honor of God's word, and I'm going to read it to you. If you have your Bible, go ahead and go to Luke chapter 17. The slides will be up on the screen. Uh, Follow along, and let me read it to you. Verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for a time and a place where we can come together and praise you and worship you and learn about you. Holy Spirit, like a flame, rest upon my tongue. Give me the words you want me to speak and allow everyone here to have soft hearts and open minds to receive the message you have for them today. Lord, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Have a seat. Okay, so in order to fully understand the story of the 10 lepers, we need to understand leprosy. Let's just focus on that for a minute. Leprosy is actually still around today. It's called Hansen's disease. So if you Google Hansen's disease, you'll see that is what leprosy has, has kind of, that's where we're at with it today. We have modern science, we have modern medicine, we can cure it, we can take care of it, not as big a deal today. But back in Jesus's day, if you were declared to have leprosy, it was, it was a death sentence, guys. It was bad. You were excommunicated. You were immediately kicked out of the town. Now remember, Samaria and Galilee are small towns. So we're not talking like Rome and Athens. We're talking small towns. So we all, they, they all knew each other. They're like, you know, husbands and wives and families and friends and neighbors and all those things. They, they all knew who each other were. So when someone came down with something, you know, something bad is happening to this person, it was up to the priest to declare them clean, healthy, or unclean, sick. And if they were declared unclean with leprosy, they were immediately kicked out of the city permanently, immediately. No more family, no more friends, no more spouse, nothing. You're, you're out, you're gone. You go out into a leper colony, and then there's strict rules on how you have to live from that point on. People would throw rocks at the lepers in the leper colony, Um, people seldom ever came back. If you were somehow healed, which was like a one in a million, the priest would allow you back in. But it just didn't happen. So leprosy back in the day, the nerve endings would begin to die. They draw back and then flesh, muscle, tissue, things begin to uh, just kind of rot and fall off. I got to keep it PG. I don't want to get edited from streaming today, but it was a real bad disease, okay? Very bad things are happening with leprosy. You're kicked out of the community. Okay, so you're away, you're outside, never to come back. Okay, so that, that's the distance. That's, that's where you are at if you were declared unclean. Okay, so the leper colony is far outside the cities, Samaria and Galilee. Here we go. So it's a, there's four parts that I want you to understand today. Number one, the, the, the first step to the power of gratitude is to admit honestly. Look at, what, look at what happened here. Verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. They called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Okay, so as we start the story, notice that the passage says, as he was going into a village. So Jesus is somewhere between Samaria and Galilee, about to enter a city. So when you think about cities back then, there's leper colonies outside of all the cities. So eventually, you're going to run into one 
going to or from the city because they're out to the side, just outside of the cities. So as he was going into a village, so he wasn't there yet, they stood at a distance. Okay, so the legal distance lepers had to stay away from the city was 100 paces. So if I take a couple of steps like this, these are paces, I'm gonna say about three feet. Let's say three feet per pace, per step. So three feet times 100, 300 feet, 100 yards, football field. I just bring it all, it's all back to athletics, guys. Football field. Think about a football field. That is how far the leper colonies had to be away from the city. That comes into play right now because where it says they, sh they called out in a loud voice. A weakened voice is a symptom of leprosy. It affects your lungs. It affects your ability to shout out or call out. So the fact that they stood at a distance and then called out in a loud voice, they had heard of Jesus. They had heard of him. They knew he had already done some miraculous healings. He had already healed some lepers by touching them. So they believed in who he was. They heard he was coming and they shouted out from a hundred paces away as loud as they could in a loud voice. Listen to what they said. This is critical. Jesus, master. Jesus, master. This is the same word used by Peter in Luke 5.5. 5. It means chief commander. So they had heard of him. He was coming by. They shouted out with all the lung power they had, and they honored him. They said, Jesus, master, chief commander. They knew that he was in command of even of disease and death. They trusted him. Here's what they said. This is critical as well. Have pity on us. So they cried out for mercy. The proper way to seek help from God is to ask for mercy. You, don't, you, you can't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's given freely. And so it's not through merit, but through mercy. God always provides his best when we ask him. And we are, um, it's not about earning. It's not merit. It's mercy. Remember that. So the 10 lepers admitted openly and honestly their problem and asked Jesus to heal them. Take a look at Proverbs 28, 13. He who conceals his sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Okay, the second step, second step to the power of gratitude is to act faithfully. Verse 14, when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now we're gonna look at one word right now. And the word is saw. So the compassion of the Lord shines through here. He saw them. He acknowledged them. It speaks of his compassion. He sees you. He knows what you're going through, and he cares. You guys probably remember a couple years ago, there was a man on a bridge getting ready to jump, and there was a public bus driver that saw him and stopped the bus, opened the door, looked at the man, and all he said was, he said, I see you. I see you. I see you. He, he cared. He knows what you're going through. That is what they did right here, and that is how Jesus started. Get this. This is the best part of the whole thing right here. His command to the lepers, this is all he says. He says, go, go show yourselves to the priests. That's it. Go show yourselves to the priests. So that's in keeping with the law of Moses. If you want help from God, you must be willing to obey his word. Now look at the compliance and faithfulness here. As they went, they were cleansed. So Jesus says, go, and they went. It was immediate. It was first time obedience. Those of you that are parents, you know, you're raising your kids. You just, you want that first time obedience. You always want to know that obedience will bring blessing. You know, I've, I've often wanted to make like a bumper sticker or a shirt that says, obedience brings blessings. Obedience brings blessings. When they showed faith and obedience, when we will do what we can, God will do what we cannot. When we do what we can, God will do what we cannot. Matthew uh, 4, 19 and 20 says this. 
Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. It's that first time obedience. It's that act of complete faith in Jesus and knowing who he is. Another example of acting on faith was at once and as they went. There was no hesitation. There was no second guessing. It was immediate. Now, before we move on to part three, you have to understand something. When Jesus said go and they didn't hesitate and they went, you need to visualize something. So the camp is outside the city. So I don't know if this is a 30 minute journey or if it's a couple hour journey. We don't know exactly how far it was out. But what you have to realize is there were 10 lepers in this colony. He healed them all, number one, which doesn't happen. So he rocked the whole world with that. But he healed the whole colony. As they went, they were cleansed. So visualize makeshift wheelchairs, maybe some makeshift crutches. And remember, they're missing fingers and toes and stuff, okay? So what you have to realize is from the moment Jesus said go and they went to the time they hit that front city gate, they had to be completely healed completely, or they wouldn't allow them in. Because even back in the day with lepers, they would put bells on them so that you always knew, you know, like, like cow bells, cows wear bells, they would put bells on the lepers so you knew where they were. And like I said before, they throw rocks to keep them away. So they're, they're going towards the city and the miraculous healing is taking place then. Now, now think of the last time you got a cut or a scrape or a bruise, a couple days maybe, maybe a week. You twist your ankle real bad, maybe a month or longer to heal. So we're talking skin has to manifest, muscle, blood circulation, nerve endings are growing back. And this happens from the moment they, that he says go to when they get to the city gate, complete and total healing. Otherwise, they weren't allowed in. That's the miracle that took place there. Third step to the power of gratitude is to acknowledge thankfully. This is where the gratitude lesson comes in. Verse 15 and 16, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Okay, everybody hold up one finger, repeat after me. One. one. Now I was weak, do it again, one. Okay, much better, one, only one. One of the 10, all you business people out there, 10% return, it's just, it's just not good, it's not happening. One came back, only one, one of the 10. And this is what you have to understand in your mind that through the miraculous healing, they never thought they'd see their family again. They never thought they'd see their spouse or their kids. They probably are holding their grandkids for the first time. Welcomed back into community and to fellowship and to connection. That's the miracle. So were they thankful? Yeah, we're sure they were. But how many came back to show gratitude? Just one. Watch this. Here's what we know about the one. He was alone because the verse says, and one of them. He was an alien because the verse says he was a Samaritan. Okay, this is awesome. This is Jesus putting an exclamation mark on the story, okay? Number one, if the one hadn't come back, we wouldn't have this story. So start there. The second thing is, why do we care that he's a Samaritan? Does anybody know? Why, do we, why did he tell us he's a Samaritan? Because Jesus is putting an exclamation mark on the story because the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. They absolutely hated each other. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? So they hate each other. So the one that came back was the one that hated the Jews. They just didn't get along. So this is Jesus saying of all of the 10 that shouldn't have come back and didn't need to come back, the Samaritan is the one that came back. 
He worked hard in order to come back. So they got miraculously healed. They got back into the city. The priest said they were welcome back in. They, they, they integrated with their families and they're having a great time. It's like a big homecoming reunion, whatever. But the one stopped that, went away and had to go find Jesus. He had to go figure out where he was, where he was going and, and go back to offer gratitude. Watch this. He worshiped him with his words. It says, praising God in a loud voice. So he was not ashamed. He wanted everybody to know, this is the man who healed me. This is Jesus. And he just saved me from being out of this leper camp. And so he was loud. He was, he was probably appreciative of, of his new lung power as well, but he was praising God in a loud voice. He wanted everyone to know. He worshiped him with his walk. He threw himself at Jesus' feet. So the ultimate show and the ultimate form of humility is throwing yourself at the feet of the person who saved you, the person that rescued you. And that is what he did. He fell to the ground with his face to the dirt, to, in the dirt, all to glorify God. Okay, so why was he thankful? Because he was hopeless, and now he had hope. He was homeless, and now he could go home. He was rejected, but now he was received. He was back in community. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. So the gist of the whole sermon today is this. Unexpressed gratitude can be perceived as ingratitude. So let me explain this a little bit more. The 10 were all healed, but the one came back to give thanks. So when someone blesses you or me, or someone does something nice for you and me, the, the, the pressure is on us. The responsibility is on us to go back to that person and give thanks and show gratitude, okay? Let me explain it differently. How, show of hands, how many of you have raised teenagers? Raise your hand. How many of you have already raised them? How many of you have them now? How many are gonna raise teenagers eventually? Okay, just about everybody, there we go. Okay, so I had to get all the hands up one way or another. So here's the deal. You have that baby and you're like, oh man, this is the cutest thing in the world, this is wonderful. And then you have elementary school and donuts with dad and go have lunch with your kid and then middle school, junior high, and then all of a sudden something happens. They hit those teenage years, okay? The teenage years, oh, they're just wonderful. If you, for those of you that haven't been there yet, man, hang on, it's a lot of fun. It's like a switch goes off, something happens. You lose them for a while, but then they come back. So here's the deal. As you offer a beautiful, nice, warm roof over your teenager's head, you maybe give them some food on the table for your teenager. Maybe you, I don't know, buy them a phone or fix the cracked screen on the phone. Maybe you let them use your car. Maybe you're that nice to your teenager and maybe you fix the dents in your car when they bump into other people in a parking lot and things happen. You know, one time I got a, a beautiful set of wheels and one of my kids scratched the wheels on the curb. There's, 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 there's lines in the wheels, Dad, I don't know why. Are your teenagers thankful for all those things? Yes, they are. We know they are. They're very thankful, they're grateful. But if they don't take that moment to offer gratitude back towards us, it can be perceived as ingratitude. That's the whole message of today. Unexpressed gratitude can be perceived as ingratitude. Okay, fourth step to the power of gratitude is to acquire abundantly. Verse 17, Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Okay, so this was the reward. The Samaritan's nine friends were declared clean by the priest, but the one was declared saved by God. 
So here's the moment where Jesus is putting another exclamation. I love this. I love how he does this. Watch this. So remember Jesus, son of God, knows everything. He says, we're not all 10 cleansed. He knows they're all cleansed. Where's the other nine? He actually knew where they were. Was no one found to return to give praise to God except this foreigner? And that was his other moment of the Samaritan. The one that shouldn't have shown up did. Made it that much better. But the faith where he says, rise and go, your faith has made you well. The faith that Jesus speaks of here is not the faith that brought them to him in the first place. The faith referred to here is the faith that brought them back. Nine were healed physically on the outside. One was healed spiritually on the inside. That's the compare and the contrast that I want you to hear here, that I want you to hear now. Jesus healed all 10, but only one returned to give thanks. Now, God does not demand that we thank him, but he is pleased when we do so. Okay, I want to bring this back to a a real-world example today. So uh, I met my beautiful wife, Sarah, at Purdue University. Had a great time at Purdue. It's a big campus. It's like 40,000 people. And this guy named Josh McDowell, who was an evangelist, was making a world tour, and he stops at Purdue. And we go to the Purdue uh, Auditorium, which seats 6,000 people. Okay, so it's about three to four times bigger than all this. We, my roommate and I go to see Josh McDowell and there's some worship and everybody's having a good time and Josh is getting ready to speak. And he says, before I speak, stand up, turn around, shake the hand of the person behind you and say, I'm glad you're here. I stand up in my 6,000 seat auditorium, turn around, shake the hand of the person behind me. You know who it was? Sarah, that's who it was. That's not chance. That's not random. That's God's plan for our lives. That's how we met. And so I always bring it back to that's where we fell in love. That's where we got engaged. That's where our lives took this turn. And it's been an amazing journey. But at Purdue, we got a couple people we're real proud of. You know, you got Neil Armstrong, first man on the moon, Purdue. If anybody likes popcorn, Orville Redenbacher, that's Purdue. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, but lastly, the one I want to tell you about, his name is Drew Brees. He's a quarterback for the, um, in the NFL. But here's the deal. You don't hear much about Drew, even though he's broken like every record, because he's a strong Christian. Every time they interview him, he's throwing Jesus and God, and he's evangelizing, so they don't show him. But uh, last year, he broke a record, um, actually a year and a half ago now, Peyton Manning's all-time career passing yardage. He broke the record. And um, they do this huge ESPN award thing for him. And what I want you to focus on is when people are saying, man, you're awesome, how'd you do, and what are you going to do? And everyone says, I'm awesome, I'm going to Disney World, or whatever they say. Watch what he says in his 40 seconds on his grandest stage and the biggest moment of his life. Watch what he focuses on. Listen to the words. Just watch this 40-second clip. I'll I'll leave you with this. I I feel like I've learned so much throughout my career, and that's a a product of being around so many great people, Uh, great teammates, uh, great coaches, great mentors. Um, Gratitude, humility, and respect. Boys, we talk about that all the time, don't we? Gratitude, humility, and respect. I think the three greatest qualities you can have as a human being. But it's amazing that sports is what will teach you things like that. And I feel like uh, the more that I've had a chance to play, the more grateful I've been able to become, the more humble, um, the more respectful of the game and those that play it and the relationships from it. And it's made it uh, more and more fun each and every time. And I feel like God continues to allow me to play it with that appreciation. Thank you very much. 
Okay, so I can only hope that if I'm ever given a moment like that, or if you're given a moment like that, when you take those 30 to 40 seconds and someone puts a camera in your face and says, hey, what do you want to say to the world? What are you going to focus on? Are you going to talk about Jesus? Are you going to talk about God? Are you going to, are you going to make a stand for what's right in the world today and the things that you want to see, the seeds you want to plant in the people today? So how are you doing with your attitude of gratitude today? I've got um, two challenges for you guys before we head out today. I always, you know, whenever you do a standalone sermon, you wanna, you wanna cover the material and then you wanna give a challenge on the way out. But I have two for you. So number one is this. Sometime today, take a moment and ask God to put in your heart and in your mind a person that spoke into your life that you need to reach out to and thank that you can show gratitude for. You know, when you, whenever you prepare for these sermons and these messages, you gotta make sure you get your life in order so that you can do this properly. I called the best man at my wedding last week. I hadn't talked to him in years and he's a great friend and we just connected. I, I thanked him for the time that we shared together and how he spoke into my life. So take that moment today, allow God to put someone in your heart and in your mind that you need to reach out to and, uh, say, and thank them. Show, show thankfulness, show gratitude. The other one's lots of fun. So the second thing I want you to do is this. As a church, we want to spread love into the community. And during the pandemic, it's been really hard. But I think, I think we landed on something that'll be a lot of fun for you guys. So here's the deal. Number one, go enjoy some fast food this week. Yes, I just said that. So here's the deal. It doesn't have to be fast food, but I need you to go through a drive through this week. We're going to put out some random acts of kindness. That's what we want to do. So whether it's Chick-fil-A or In-N-Out Burger, or maybe it's Starbucks or Pete's, you got to go through a drive through order your meal, whatever. When you get to the window to pay, I would always do this with my kids, it was so much fun. When you get to the window to pay, pay for your meal, pay for the car behind you. Just deliver a blessing. They'll never know who you are, why you did it or anything about you. Bless the car behind you. Now, usually when you do this, the person at the window will say, oh my gosh, that's so nice. Is there something you wanna tell them? This is your moment of evangelism. God will put something in your heart and in your mind that you can say, you know, maybe just, hey, God loves you. You know, Jesus loves you. You know, Calvary Church loves you. Trunk or treat on the 24th, come. Whatever you guys want to say, that's your moment to plant that seed. Because when you pull away and that next car pulls up, there's going to be this moment of, you know, my kids would sit in the back of the car and look back and wait for that moment because it's so much fun because they don't know why you're doing it. And it's just, it's just a blast. Now, word of warning. For those of you that pull into a line, if there's a bus with football players in it behind you, you might want to pull out real quick. No, I'm kidding. Um, you want that small car with like one little person inside of it. That's, what, that's the goal. I'm kidding. I'm joking. Have fun with this. Um, truly, it's a blast. And word will spread through the community. It's just, it's fun to do random acts of kindness. You know, think back to the North Platte Canteen and spread love in the community however you can. But anyway, try that out. It'll be a lot of fun. Okay, um, we never want to close our service without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. And so um, if you're already a Christian, that's great. Pray for those around you. But I want to give everybody an opportunity uh, to pray to receive Christ. And so um, I'm going to walk you through a prayer. You pray it silently along with me. It's between you and God. And then we'll talk about it in just a second. Let's pray. God, thank you for a beautiful day and a wonderful time to come together and worship and learn about you. God, I admit that sometimes I make mistakes and I make bad choices. And I thank you that you forgive me every time I ask. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. I choose to invite you into my heart and into my life 
and I make you my Lord and Savior. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, Jesus Christ entered your heart and your life, and he will never leave you or forsake you. And that's a fancy word for saying he'll never forget about you.